Let's get right into our word this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And I'm going to read this scripture um, right after the beginning of the early church. It said, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Let's read that again. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now there, were, there are some translations that render that verse, they were in, strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning I want to preach a message, Encouraged by the Spirit. This will be a two-part message this week and next week because uh, we, we do prayer on Tuesdays. We've been doing that now for over a year. And every Tuesday we gather here about 9 o'clock in the morning to, uh, to pray and to, you know, ask God. We want God to do something in our... Listen, I'm ready to see God move. Anybody here uh, uh, like-minded want to see God do something? And, and it, it, none of that ever happens without prayer. And so we've been praying, and the Lord has just kind of laid this on my heart um, the last couple of weeks. And, and I want to tell you that one of the cardinal doctrines of the church is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And yet, today in modern times, we have relegated that doctrine, that needed, important doctrine of the Holy Spirit, we have relegated it to a mystical experience, and we don't talk much about him. And I think that's a dangerous thing. Because the early church was a church that was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and they changed the world. And, and, and most of us here, I mean, think about it. One doesn't have to look very far to see how messed up our modern world is, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I was telling early service, I said, you know, it kind of strikes me because just when I think it can't get worse, it does. Just when I think it can't get darker, it does. And so you don't have to look very far. And again, I'm not up here on a negative soapbox just talking about how bad things are. Paul himself even addressed that. Paul, Paul said that in the last times or the latter days, he said men would not endure what? Sound doctrine. Men would not endure sound doctrine. Listen, I've read sermons. I've read, I've read articles written by renowned supposed uh, leaders. And, and, and there's some weird stuff going on. I mean, there, there's really some strange stuff happening in Christendom, and I have to qualify that and say that's a Western thing because the church in many parts of the world is a thriving, spirit-powered, I don't know what you want to call it. It, it, it is something that is impacting culture around them. I remember many years ago when uh, Tommy Barnett, one of my heroes of the faith, when his son went to Los Angeles, California, right in the middle of the Rampart District, which is one of the most wor one of the most difficult places in all of Los Angeles, got the old Angeles Hospital, and they started what they called the Dream Center. And what they did was they started ministering to the outcasts and the rejects and the prostitutes and the drug addicts and right in the middle of the most violent place in Los Angeles. You fast forward, and now there is less crime in the Rampart District where this church has been for the last 15 years than, there, than most other parts of the city. Why? Because the light is shining. It is a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the ministry that they're doing is impacting culture. And what I'm saying is that's important to me this morning to understand. Paul said the last days would be marked by people not enduring sound doctrine. And then he goes on and says, you know what, Timothy? He said there will be a time towards the end. He said, I'm going to call them perilous times. They're going, to be, they're going to be difficult days. And he said there's going to be a time that will be ushered in that will be uh, a time of overt rebellion and violence at all levels of society. So what does that mean? It means right now evil is grinding away at the bedrock of society and, and here's the sad part of that is, for all intents and purposes, the church in the West has been powerless to stop it. That, that's concerning to me. Again, evil is grinding away at the bedrock of our society, and the church seems to be powerless to stop it. I, I, I'm asked oftentimes by, uh, by people that will say, pretty frequent actually, they'll say, Pastor, how do we as believers live in such a dark world? Well, that's, that's a good question and a valid question. There was a book written back in the 80s that the title of the book was How to Raise G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. And, and that's a legitimate thing, by the way. 
uh, because we want our kids to grow up uh, on the foundation of God's Word. We want them to know the difference between right and wrong, and we want them to serve God. And, and, and so it's a, it's a legitimate question, but here's the thing. Uh, in these dark I do believe these are dark times, but they're not hopeless times. See, the message, if we focus always on the darkness, we forget that there's hope, and we forget there's light. And, and, and listen, and I, I really feel like that, uh, you know, that, that we become so focused on the dark that we fail to release the light. And that's what we've been called to do. The present ministry of the Holy Spirit enables us to shine in, in amid, amid some of the most challenging circumstances that there is. The present ministry of the Holy Spirit is not talking about a lot. In fact, most people, <coughs> when they start talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, they're always talking about the mysterious stuff, right? Again, I'm not knocking that. But that's kind of where it is. And we're, we're neglecting a, a very important doctrine of the church today, and that is the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the context of our scripture this morning is at the early church, okay? So we all know Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost had fully come. They're all gathered together in the upper room. They, the Spirit of God is poured out upon them. Uh, they, they begin to speak and they begin to share the gospel and the, there's, there's stuff taking place, okay? So, so uh, shortly after that, we find the church expanding and in the church ex- expanding, there was persecution. In Acts chapter 7, persecution arose after the death of Stephen the martyrdom, persecution arose. In fact, Acts chapter 8 says, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you have the miraculous that's taking place, persecution arises against the church, okay? But now we get to Acts chapter 9, and it says that the church was now enjoying a time of peace, short-lived by the way, but peace nonetheless. A, a time of peace during which time they were strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. That's important that we see that. Because part of the present ministry of the Holy Spirit right now, it's not about giving me doodads up and down my spine, although I enjoy being having the touch of the Spirit in my life. The present ministry of the Holy Spirit is to strengthen us and encourage us amid the darkness that we live in. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is rarely mentioned except in reference to something that is mysterious and strange. The Holy Spirit is a God we hardly know. Think about it. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. They're they're gathered, the 120 are in the upper room. The Spirit of God's poured out. There were three things that happened that day. The Bible says there was a sound as there were rushing mighty wind. There were cloven tongues of fire that lit upon each one of them, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance, right? But out of that, that early church came out of the upper room with stammering lips, filled and anointed with the Holy Spirit of God, and the community around them, the community around them took notice. And they asked the question, whatever could this mean? What's missing today in in modern church is the world asking, what does this mean? Because we don't have what they have. We're not operating in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've relegated to something spooky and mysterious. This church was filled and anointed with the power of the Spirit of God, and the world says, hey, what is all of this about? And the Bible says Peter got up and he spoke and he preached. 3,000 people got saved one day. 5,000 people the next day, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And the Bible said, great grace was upon them, and the signs and wonders followed their ministry. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we, when the church is strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the lost world is going to ask us the same question, what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, with so much confusion over the person of the Holy Spirit, We have an entire generation that's growing up without any knowledge of the important ministry that the Spirit of God provides in our lives. On the day of Pentecost, that group that gathered in the upper room, they were Galileans. Now, Galilean was was an uneducated, unlearned person. And they're gathered there. Why are they there? They're there because Jesus said, wait until... 
So they're gathered there in the upper room. The Holy Spirit's poured out. All of a sudden, these simple Galileans, these unlearned, uneducated men, start speaking and praising God with such power and glory that the bystanders are astonished. They're amazed at it. These uneducated people are speaking with eloquence and sophistication they did not possess. And the world takes notice. These fishermen were preaching like statesmen, and conviction seized upon the crowd, and they're saying, whatever could this mean? Now listen, I understand there have been a lot of abuses, okay? There have been a lot of abuses and things blamed on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with. I I grew up, I'm third generation Assembly of God, I I grew up in a time, listen, I grew up in a time when the full gospel message, when, when full gospel, being full gospel, drew the ire of most people. I grew up in a time, I mean, think about it, even in my lifetime, 58 years of age, and, and I know I, I talk about being decrepit and everything, but that's not really that old. <laughs> I mean, told him what I used to be, and it's younger than what I'm going to, anyway, I need to quit playing with that one. <laughs> but, but I can remember growing up, I, I can remember being labeled Holy Roller, Bible Thumper, Jesus Freak, that's the mild stuff. I heard it all my life. I remember hearing people say that we were of the devil because we believed in the speaking in tongues as the Bible preaches or, or, or gives us clarification in Acts chapter 2. Their people said we were of the devil. But nobody as a little boy growing up and no, witnessing the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, nobody could ever, ever tell me what does this mean. They could never answer the question. No one could ever show me in Scripture where the ministry of the Holy Spirit was not a present reality. Most people want to talk about it as a past thing, but the Bible doesn't teach the ministry of the Holy Spirit was a past thing. He is a pre- has a present ministry today in the church and in our lives. And if we're not yielded to the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're missing something that God intended for us to have. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit, and I told the early, you've heard me say this, I wasn't going to share it with you, but I'll do it again. Most of you heard, again, I grew up in that time when, when church services were, were, Sister Sledge, anybody remember me talking about Sister Sledge? Sister Sledge was the lady in our church that was filled with the Spirit of God. She, this lady, when she prayed, you expected heaven to move. This lady, all her life, was an ambassador for Christ. She worked in the church. She did Sunday school, women's ministry. She would go on the bus ministry. She'd knock on doors. She'd do everything she could because she was so in love with Jesus. And, and the thing is, as she got older, you know, some people, sometimes we, we're not careful. We can sour on the vine. She didn't sour on the vine. She, she went daily to the fountain that was drawn, and she said, Lord, here's my cup. Fill it up. And every day the Lord would fill her cup. And she, she, but she got to the point of her age that she couldn't do what she used to do. Now listen, when you get fire, shut up. Oh, think about a water heater. We have a water heater. We put a, we put a, a, a relief valve on top of them for a reason. Because you can get so much pressure built up in there that those things can explode. And man, you talk about a, a mess and something very dangerous. Well, when the fire of God shut up in us, there's got to be some way to let it out. And for Sister Sledge, her, her outlet was to go knock on doors, to witness to people, to be in the bus ministry, to teach children, to teach Sunday school. That was her outlet, but now she's old and she can't do that anymore. But the fire's still burning. And she had this thing that she used to do. And it was the most annoying thing ever. Sister Sledge, again, because her wheels didn't turn much anymore, she had this thing where she had this whistle in the middle of service. And she would start in the cellar and would go all the way up to that. So she'd go something like this, whoa, glory, just like that. And if you weren't expecting it, I'm telling you, man. So I can remember as a kid bringing some of my classmates and some of my buddies to church. And and I'd get there and I'd say, oh, dear Jesus, you blessed her last week. Don't bless Sister Sledge this week. (laughs) You, You blessed her enough, Lord. Last week, don't bless her this week. Anybody ever prayed like that? <laughs> Lord, don't bless her this week. You blessed her last week. And as soon as I get that prayer out of my mouth, Sister Sledge would let out one of those hollers. that She, she couldn't help it because she was so full of Jesus, so in love with the Lord. The fire was burning so much. That's the only thing that still worked. She just reached up and grabbed, grabbed that whistle. Whoa, glory. 
About the time she did that, my friend's hair stand up on the back of his neck. He'd look around like, what in the world? You know, here's the funny thing, is that my friends later on, most of them didn't go back to church with me. I <laughs> uh, don't know why, but, uh, <laughs> but, but most of my friends that later on, they couldn't tell you what the preacher preached on, and they couldn't tell you what songs were sung. But without exception, most of them, well, well, I'd say most of them, would say, hey, whatever happened to that little old lady? You see, there was something inside of her that was present and real. And it didn't matter how many sourpusses and, no, and, and naysayers would tell her otherwise, she had touched the living God, and she knew the reality of the present ministry. It wasn't something that happened in the past for her. It was a present reality that she walked in on a daily basis. She walked in the Spirit as the Bible commands us to do. Listen, the Holy Spirit, He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not an emotion. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I, I've always been amazed at people, well, did you get it? No, you don't get it. He gets you. And the Holy Spirit, when he gets a hold of you, and see, that's, the, that's where my, my rub is. And I've got to hurry because I could preach a long time. I, I love talking about the Holy Spirit because it is, it is what is missing in today's church. The Holy Spirit, he is a person who guides us, he teaches us, he empowers us, he convicts us of sin, and most importantly, he continually points us to becoming more like Jesus. That's his ministry. You see, the great need of our day today is for people to be strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we turn, we are being, we are being lambasted by culture. We, in fact, in, in America, as a veteran, it bothers me to no end, but in America, as a Christian, I've been labeled a terrorist by some in our culture today. It bothers me. And there are people today that are being tempted to, to go back and to walk away from the faith. Listen, the church must hold the banner high on the personhood and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need to, listen, we should not be afraid of this distinctive doctrine that we have as a church. As more and more people in our culture today view faith matters as inconsequential, we have a new generation that are being raised right now that are totally disconnected to the Spirit's ministry. In fact, I read this, this, week, this week. You know, we used to think about uh, people losing our ch children when they become youth. I read this week that right now there are more and more 8 to 12-year-olds that are abandoning and rejecting outright biblical faith and they're following in the footsteps of their non-committed parents. That's alarming. That's alarming. You know, we bought into this sloppy agape and greasy grace that says, it, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, you know. And we minimize what God maximized. We condone, we condone what he condemns. And the confusion that we've seen reap, reaping havoc in our society is, a cor is correlated to our inconsistency. You know, we talk about the power, we sing about power, but the truth is we don't have power. We don't have power. There's a lack in the modern church of genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking spooky, mystical things. I'm just talking about yielding to the ministry of the Spirit of God today. There's a lack of it. That early church, they came out of the upper room with stammering lips filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what they did? They changed the world. They changed the world. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it remains a possibility. I look at some of our youth and some of our kids, and I'm telling you, it remains a possibility that our generation, our young people, listen, if they get on fire for God and they drink from that fountain that never runs dry, there's not a, there's not a rule in school that can stop the flow of the ministry of the Spirit of God inside of them. In fact, what's happening on college campuses across America right now, there are people that have gone to the fountain and they found that it gives them something, it satisfies them, and it fills them through and through and through, and they're sharing the light on the darkness of, high, of college campuses. Listen, our kids, it can happen. It can happen. What does the church need to do? Let me give you four things real quick. Number one, we need to affirm the promise. We're talking about the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need to affirm the promise. Jesus made it very clear in John 14, 16. Pentecost is not, is not something the modern church has invented. It came from the heart of God. 
In fact, Jesus made this promise. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, that's our inheritance, church. Jesus said, hey, I got to go away. They didn't like it. They didn't want him to go away. He said, but I got to go. Because if I don't, the comforter won't come. It's expedient. We'll talk about that next week. It's part of our inheritance. Jesus clearly instructed the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? So that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. Okay? So the promise, the promised power was poured out in Jerusalem. It was demonstrated to the world with great grace and power. Listen, the, the, the power that was demonstrated had never been seen in the world. And they said, what does this all mean? See, when the church has become like the world, we, we talk like, I, I don't even want to jump on that bandwagon, but the sins of the world have become sins of the church, and we don't even bat an eye. See, the church has lost its ability to blush. We don't, we don't blush anymore. And, and whenever somebody starts preaching a message like this, we kind of get all up in our fields and like, well, the Bible says judge not. Should have been here Wednesday night. I preached on that. <laughs> You'll never know a book by its cover, no, but you do know a book by its contents. <laughs> we, we don't, we don't want to hear it. Why have freedom? Freedom's not a license to do whatever you want. Freedom is a responsibility to do what's right. See, see we don't want to hear that, but, but if you want to see what they saw and you want to have what they had, then we've got to do what they did, <laughs> right? They were filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and, and that power was not just for the apostles. It wasn't just for that, that small period of time. In fact, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, he said, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off whom the Lord will call. Listen, we must not allow the confusion and misinformation today to stop us from seeking this vital ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a promise God gives to us. Secondly, we need to reestablish the priorities. What do I mean by that? Well, we've, we've grown so accustomed to attempting to do by muscle what God determined to do by miracle. So today we have educated pastors. I'm not, I'm not against uneducated pastors, okay? That's not what I mean. <laughs> but, but we send them off to the finest institutions. We hire marketing men, people, strategists, dem demographer. Is it, a, is it a demographer? I don't know. That's a, just a new word I invented right there. There you go, demographer. It's somebody who specializes in demographics. <laughs> We do all of that so we can, we can market with the best of them. We can package it up, and it can look nice, and it'll be appealing to people. We can put the right colors, and, and it'll look nice. But you know what? People today are not needing nice. They need the Holy Spirit. The problems that people are dealing with and, and facing today don't need a marketing slick or an advertisement. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to break the yoke and to break the chains and unloose prison doors. That's what they need today. And, 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 and you know, again, we try to do by muscle. We try to, we try to push through it, figure it out. We forge ahead thinking that determination will see us through. Life-changing ministries operate by God's power alone. That's it. Life-changing ministries operate by God's power alone. We must first be empowered by the Spirit of God so that we in turn can release His, His power in the darkness of our world. I love what Dr. Carl Bates said. He said, he put it like this. If God were to call His Holy Spirit out of the world, he said, I think 95% of what we're doing would go on, and we'd brag about it. And he goes on, and he asks the question. He said, what are you doing that you can't do unless the power of God falls on your ministry? I think that's pretty sobering right there. Listen, if, if my vision is manageable on my own, there's a pretty good chance that's not God's vision for me. I mean, if I don't need God's input, and I can do it on my own, then why do I need him, Right? So that kind of is a good indicator that maybe this is not God's vision. If I can do it with ingenuity and initiative, and I'm not talking about strategic planning and, and, and those, I'm not talking about that. I'm simply saying that we have so shortchanged the ministry of the Holy Spirit 
that we no longer attempt great things for God. We never step out anymore. Churches these days are measured by what they possess. Members, money, monuments, ministries. The early church, they had none of that. They had none of that. And yet they, they possessed a spiritual power that shook the nation. See, the early disciples, they said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, we give to you. Get up in the name of Jesus and walk. The church can't say that anymore. We can't say silver and gold have we none. We say, hey, silver and gold we got. But what we can't say is in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. See, that's where the difference is. We have to reestablish the priorities of the Holy Spirit's work in today's world. We have to heed the words of Zechariah when he looked at that impossible situation of building the city out of rubble. God reminded him in Zechariah 4, 6, he said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Listen, how are we going to get families? You know, we talk about fam and our family and marriage ministry. How are we going to build families against the culture that we live in? How are we going to raise children today that, that understand right and wrong? And I'm not talking about antagonists, uh, raising antagonists that go and try to, uh, you know, there's smart aleck kids all over the uh, I'm not even going to get on that bandwagon. How are we going to raise kids today that are anchored in the truth of God's word? Not by might, not by power, but by a spirit. We've got to trust and reprioritize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we need to redefine the purpose. Again, the Holy Spirit was given, how many know it was given for a reason? There was a reason that Jesus said to the disciples, don't go out. Listen, Jesus was going away, but he said, tarry until you've been endued with power, until the Spirit, the promise comes. Why did he tell them to wait? Because Jesus knew what was waiting on them. And he knew they would need a power greater than their own will. 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As I said earlier, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we generally think about speaking in tongues and some other manifestation that we've seen. And I'm not knocking any of the manifestations. Listen, I, I'm not denying the reality of it. I've, I've seen, when, when the infinite God touches a finite being, there will be a response. The Bible says the response of Daniel was he shook. He shook. He trembled before the Lord. John the Revelator, when he turned around to see who it was that he was speaking in the Revelation, he turned around to see, and he said, when I saw him, remember what he did? He said, I fell at his feet like a dead man. When, a finite, when an infinite God touches a finite person, there'll be a response, right? I've seen, listen, I've seen some of the biggest, baddest men drop to the floor like rag dolls when the Spirit of God has hit them. But is that the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Listen, I've seen people that, have, that were so inebriated they could hardly walk. When the power of God hit them, they sobered up instantly. I've seen it with my own eyes. We've had people here in the last 30 years, we've had people that came in high on dope. Power of God hit them, and boom, they were sobered up instantly. So I know what the power of God can do. And when you've had that experience, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue against it. I've seen it with my own eyes, and the only thing I can say, but God. <laughs> you don't concoct stuff like that. But is that the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I mean, again, I think we need to redefine the purpose of Pentecost because in our culture, we don't ever hear about the power for living Christ-like, right? We, we don't hear talk about being empowered to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We don't hear that. We, we want to hear that the Holy Spirit will make me feel good, you know, give me that doodad up and down my spine, make me feel good or stimulate my emotions, but is that what the Holy Spirit came to do? I know he moves us emotionally. There are times in worship, I'll, I'll stand right over here, and I have tears streaming down my face. Some of you probably do the same thing. I get so enraptured in some of the songs, and maybe, I'm, maybe I've gone through a tough week. Maybe things have just piled up. Listen, life's not easy. Life's not easy. Come walk in these shoes. I'm not minimizing yours. I'm just I understand. But there'll be times I'll stand over there, and we'll sing a song that just hits the chord of my spirit. And I'll weep. Sometimes I'll raise my hand. I'm just overwhelmed with his presence. Listen, I know, I know he moves us emotionally. And I know he thrills us. And I know he fills us. But there's a purpose.
but I think the church would miss. The Father did not send the Spirit to us as a feel-good stimulus. He did not send the Holy Spirit as a feel-good stimulant. The Holy Spirit did not come primarily for our edification. He came primarily to empower the church to finish the work Jesus started. Reach lost people. Dan Becker, one of my heroes of the faith, used to say it like this. You want to call yourself a Pentecostal and you're not reaching people, you're not Pentecostal. Because the word means harvest. Harvest. And if you're not harvesting, you're not Pentecostal. I don't care how many bumps running up and down your spine, how most. Listen, we used to judge church by how, how long we sat in church. Right? Anybody remember those days? I remember going to lunch at times where people say, oh, boy, we had a great service today. We didn't get out of church till 1 o'clock. Well, how do you know that he just couldn't bring it to a conclusion and shut up? Right? I mean, why, if, if, if I don't run around the building twice or swing from a chandelier, I didn't have a good service. Well, when did that become a barometer to measure whether God came through by the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Show me changed hearts and changed lives. Show me families put together again. Show me sick, sick bodies that are restored. Show me dreams that are restored to people. That's what he does. I love the Holy Spirit because he's made such a difference in my life. We don't have time sharing my story, but listen, he came to bring divine enablement for us to fulfill the Great Commission. You know, the scripture doesn't say you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that will translate into power for personal edification and reveal the assurance that you are highly favored of God. That's not what it says. He said, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. The power of the Spirit is given so that men and women can change lives through the world by sharing the redemptive message of Jesus. The last one is this. We need to reacquire the power. Carl Barth, he, that's Barth, Barth, B-A-R-T-H, B-A-R-T-H, yeah, Barth. Here's what he said. He said, the world which we confront today, listen to what he said, is aggressively pagan. Many influences in modern life work to undermine the Christian view of life and subtly to convert even church people from outright Christian faith. The only adequate answer is for Christians to recover the New Testament power of the Spirit. That's it. Recover the power of the Spirit. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. My prayer is that God would create in us a hunger. David, David prayed this in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and what do you say? And renew a right spirit within me. Later on, he says, take not the Holy Spirit from me. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. Even in the Old Testament times, there was a recognition of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The church today, we cannot combat the darkness around us without the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. You cannot live in victory without the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't see the miraculous without the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've got a generation of students today that need to know about the present ministry of the Holy Spirit because they're going to be, when I was, when I was back, back years ago when I was in college, I was taking a, you've heard me talk about this before, uh, I was working at that time on an environmental biology degree, and one of my classes was, uh, was uh, geology. I love geology. I think it's incredible. To, to fascinating to see how, <laughs> how this earth, you know, and, and of course, you know, being a, a natural science, their evolution is their, is their twist. And I, man, the professor and I, we used to go round and round and round all the time about creation versus evolution, finally to the point where he just said, look, I don't care what you believe. So if you're going to pass my class, you need to answer the way I want you to answer it. Now, if I can do that. What I'm saying is that today we're being beaten down in culture because we believe this book. Oprah Winfrey on national television listened to a lady who had stood up for the gospel and said, Jesus can't possibly be the only way to God. 
Everywhere we turn in our culture today, this is being scrutinized, mocked, and ridiculed. And our students are receiving today. Our kids are going through things today that I could, in my day, going to school, I couldn't do. Listen, the worst thing we did, smoking in the boys' room. I won't tell you what we're smoking, but I mean, it was going on in the boys' room. <laughs> That's the worst. Oh, I mean, we, we had fights. I don't recall many guns in fights. I had my nose broke four times in two or three. I, I was a good kid mostly, but there was a few times. <laughs> that, that, that was it. Nowadays, it's, it's so far beyond that. Our kids are battling. And what's going to take them through is not some feel-good, mile-wide-inch-deep gospel. It's going to be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that flows in them, that can look a devil in the eye and say, get behind me, Satan. You have no authority in my life. And believe that it happens. I know that's weird to think about, but listen, it's time for the church to, to, to go back and remember the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to live in victory and to stand up when everything in us says to sit down. It's not that we were once filled. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, he said, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But remember what he said? He said, but be filled with the Spirit. And if you look at that verse in the Greek, it means to continually be filled. Some, listen, some, if, you, if you don't put gas in your car, you're going to be stuck side the road somewhere, right? If you don't fill up your spirit, you're going to run out of strength. We used to sing a song when we were kids. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Come and fill the thirsting of my soul. Have you run out? Have you run dry? Are you trying to do by muscle what God has determined to do by miracle? Listen, the wind is still blowing. See, Joel chapter 2, and it was quoted in Acts chapter 2. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What was he talking about? Well, the day of Pentecost had fully come. What happened? God began to pour out his spirit upon this place. We're still living in that era, that dispensation, where the spirit of God is being poured out today. And again, in all over the world, you're seeing people that are being born again in incredible fashion. This, they have relied on many of these people have seen visions and God spoke to them and they, there are incredible things that are happening. They're coming to the faith in record numbers while here in the States we're, we're accommodating the darkness when we've been called to repel it. I don't know about you, but and I know I, didn't, I haven't done a very good job this morning of really articulating the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, but when a church or a believer is strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, there's not a devil in hell. There's not a devil in hell that can threaten to be alive. It's time to say, God, renew me again. Let seasons of refreshment once again come. Would you stand with me this morning? I, I want to I see our kids shake this here campus. And they can't do that with initiative alone. You know, the Bible says when these, the disciples who had been filled with the Spirit of God after the day of Pentecost, remember they got arrested? Remember they got arrested? And they were ordered by the officials, don't preach in his name anymore. And the Bible says they were filled with a holy boldness. And Peter, the one who denied Jesus... Use this witness. You crucified the Son of God.
drink like Red Bull back then. Red Bull gives you wings, but I don't know anything gives you boldness. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he pointed his finger and said, you guys did this. The Bible said great grace fell upon them. Why? Because they operated in the present ministry of the Spirit. When was the last time you were refreshed in the Holy Spirit? Again, I'm not talking weird stuff. You know, again, it's been abused in our culture. It's been abused by TV preachers. I'm talking about when have you sensed the presence of God in your life? Because it's been a long time. I've always said this. If there was ever a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are now, you are a candidate for revival. While they sing this morning, here's what I want you to do. I, I, the only thing I know to do is just simply say this. If you're here this morning, say, you know what? I want the pneuma, the, 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 the spirit in Greek is pneuma. If you want the wind of the spirit to blow one more time across members of your life, God, here's my cup. Fill it up. Blow upon those embers of my life. You know, you blow on embers. You know why? Because you want to you ignite them into flame. When I was in survival school, they used to teach you how to take just even a single ember, and you could pack it just right. And when you got out to where you needed to go, you could unpack the thing. Blow on it. Whoosh. Right into a fire. Well, you know what? It's time to let the wind blow again. So that we're on fire. I want my children and my grandchildren to know Jesus in a powerful way. I'm not going to say you don't turn in the Christmas pledge. That's not the whole point. The point is, may God do something in us. That's not church as normal, church as usual. God, I need you. I need refreshment. Let the times of refreshment come. Refresh me for today. As they sing this morning, would you come and say, God, do it again. Saturate me. You've been down long enough. No more walking in Thank shame. Thank you, Jesus. Because the way that He loves you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, refresh something us. you can change. You've been running in circles. But you can't hide from grace. Because the way that He loves you. Isn't something you can change. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, our God rewrites his Amen. Grave. Come on, if you need him to wash Jesus, over you this morning, if you want the wind of the Spirit everything. to blow one more time, come on, just, God, just fill us. Pour your Spirit out, just Lord. Just like Silas singing with Paul, grace can break down prison walls. Jesus, you can have it all. Won't you pour your Spirit out? Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. You can rest in his presence. You can trust in his name. Cause he's easy. And he's perfect in his ways. You can run to the Father. There's no reason to wait, cause his arms have been over. And that's not something you can change. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, our God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything. When you pour your spirit out, just like Simon singing with Paul, Grace can break down prison walls. Jesus, you can have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? Just like Lazarus out of that grave. Our God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything. Won't you pour your spirit out? Just like Silas singing with Paul. Grace can break down prison walls. Jesus, you can have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? Pour your spirit out. 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 
5.18, be not drunk with wine, where's an excess, but keep on continually being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean? It means every day. You know, the Bible says His mercies are new when? Every morning. Every morning. We need to be refreshed every day. We cannot live the victorious Christian life without the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is a promise of the Father. It's given to us as believers. Walk in that spirit. Walk in his power. Face, face the giants with reliance upon him. One last thing I'm going to share with you. We're going to sing that. You pray as long as you want to. Here's the thing. Let go. Let go of the wound that you've been carried for a long time. I don't, I don't, I don't know who that's directed to. I, I just sensed it in my spirit. Let go of the wound that you've been nursing for a long time. You'll never experience victory if you keep harboring 
the hurt that happened to you years ago. Be free in Jesus' name and let him walk you through to victory. Doesn't mean the problem's going to go away tomorrow. Doesn't mean the hurt's going to go away tomorrow. But today, release the offender. Release the hurt. I forgive them. It's out of my system. God heal. Amen? Father, today we love you. We thank you for the present ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we learn what it is to walk in the fullness of your Spirit, that the battle does not belong to us, it belongs to you. And if we're walking in covenant relationship with you, no weapon formed against us can prosper. All that rise up against us will fall. That is the promise of the Father and the heritage of the believer. So, Father, may we walk out empowered, anointed, filled with your Holy Spirit, and may we shine the light in the darkness around us. I love and bless each one now in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Thanks for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Love you very much. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, our God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything when you pour your spirit out. Just like Silas singing with Paul, can break down prison wall. Jesus, you can have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? It's like Lazarus out of that grave. Our God rewrites history. But Jesus, you change everything. When you pour your spirit out, just like Silas singing with Paul. Grace can break down prison wall. Jesus, you can have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? Pour your spirit out. 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 Pour your spirit out.